Welcome to the Salty and Bright podcast, a show about how we can better live as God's salt and light today. Today, I'm super glad to have Debbie Carpenter on the podcast. Debbie was born and raised in Lubbock, Texas, as the daughter of two committed Christians. Debbie and her husband, Scott, have lived in the American city of Magnolia for over 22 years and remain active members of the Magnolia Church of Christ. However, between 2009 and 2011, Debbie, Scott, and their two now adult children, Marissa and James, spent two and a half years in Melbourne, Australia, where they became part of the Belmore Road Church family. Today, Debbie dedicates much of her time to kingdom work, teaching children's and ladies' Bible classes and sharing her faith with whoever she encounters. Before we really dive into the questions about evangelism, Debbie, could you talk to us a bit about how you came to know Christ and his church? My granddaddy was a Church of Christ minister, so my mother and my uh, father both grew up in the church. Uh, they were faithful members of the Church of Christ. They um, took us to church every time the doors were open, basically, and my dad was a uh, deacon in the church. But I vividly remember at an early age watching my granddaddy baptize my brother. That stuck with me. It made an impression on me. In fact, there were a lot of baptisms that made an impression on me. That was always left uh, left me wondering, you know, if this is something that I needed to do, uh, which I came I came to realize that it was something that I needed to do. So um, my granddaddy lived 12-hour drive away from us, and we would see them usually once or twice a year. So we were on our way to see them one summer, and in the car I told my mom and dad, when we get there, I'm going to ask my granddaddy to baptize me. And they were like, Okay, and so sure enough, I get there and granddaddy sits down with me and we have a conversation and then he baptized me. And so um, he also baptized my sister. It was something that I'd been thinking about for a long time, but I knew that I wanted him to do it. And since there was just a few times that we got to see them every year, I knew here's the opportunity I have, let's get it done. And so I made, you know, I... I can't exactly remember at this point. I was 12 or 13 at the time, so um, I cannot remember exactly how long that I had been thinking about it, but I knew here was my opportunity. I wasn't going to let it pass me by. So, Debbie, now that we've heard a bit more of your story, I'm keen to hear your thoughts about evangelism and the role that it plays in your Christian walk. So maybe to start off, could you share with us what you understand evangelism to mean. Evangelism is teaching, telling, preaching, showing Jesus. Jesus said at the, at the end of Matthew, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And you're like, well, what, what is the gospel? What are you talking about? This is something that I'm supposed to do, and this is a command. What is the gospel? Well, um, I tell my kids at school, uh, at church, the gospel is Jesus' story. And there's four accounts. You know, if there was one account of Jesus' story, that would be a big deal. But no, there are four separate accounts of Jesus' story. And so evangelism is all about Jesus. It is his birth, his life, his crucifixion, his death, his resurrection. 
And that is what I'm supposed to be sharing with other people. And uh, that's what evangelism is. It is sharing Jesus with other people. There's another scripture that Jesus used where he said, I have come that thy might have life and have it abundantly. And it's a promise. You're going to have life and you're going to have it abundant with me. Well, I'm like, if I'm reading that and studying that, I'm like, well, what is this abundant life? I'm all about that. I don't want a mediocre life. I want the abundant life. And then you think, okay, is he talking about my life here? Or is he talking about my life in eternity? Well, I think he's talking about both. And what I know is that having God in my life has made my life abundant. And why wouldn't I want to share the, the best thing in my life with somebody else? We share our vacations with one another because it was so great and so wonderful, and this is what happened. We share our best experiences. So-and-so asked me to marry him, and this is how he did it, and it was so awesome. And, or I went on this date with this guy, and it's fantastic, and I'm in love, and blah, 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 blah. We share all those kinds of things. Why don't we share the most powerful thing in our life, which is the fact that I have God in my life, and that has made my life abundant. And so I just... I, yeah, I am passionate about it. I'm like, my goodness, this is something that I need to do, and I'm commanded to do it. I am very aware, aware of the promises of God, but I'm also aware that he has, he has commandments or requirements of me. Paul said it in uh, 2 Corinthians. He said that I'm an ambassador. He also said in Philippians that I'm a defender of the gospel. So that means I defend Jesus. Jesus said, you're a fisher of men. And so now I, I am a fisher of men. And these are requirements of me. So evangelism is a requirement of me. When I think of evangelism too, I think about planting seeds. And if you're a gardener and you plant a whole bunch of seeds in the ground, sometimes not all of them come up. I mean, it's disappointing, but nothing happens. Then one of them may start to come up, and it grows really, really well, and then you're into transplanting it outside, and it grows into something much, much larger. Um, but my job is not to make that grow. My job is to plant the seed. Another question I really wanted to ask you, Debbie, is how do you actually approach evangelism? And that's because you've been sharing the gospel so faithfully and enthusiastically for quite a few years now. So could you share with us any specific principles or practices that you turn to when evangelizing? I absolutely love teaching Bible class, and I have been teaching it a long time. My mother taught me back in junior high school. She started me then. And I enjoy it. My favorite class currently is uh, third through sixth grade. They still listen to me and their heart is very tender at that age. And so our curriculum that we use in Bible class, everything that we have taught is focusing, is, is going toward that, which is natural. Uh, salvation is going to be natural. You want that in your life. And so it just, every, at the end of every quarter, we get to baptism and we talk about it. And I just ask them, you know, do you have any questions? Is there something that I can help answer? Do you want to study privately? Our own Christian families, how can we not teach them? 
I mean, they are my focus. They are my first focus. Now then I can spread out and do others, but they are my first focus. And over the years, I've written down my scriptures and I've condensed them to one page. And we sit down together and I have them read those scriptures. And I walk them through how sin separates us and how we have all sinned and fallen short. And I walk them through what baptism is, a reenactment of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. I draw pictures for them. And it usually takes us, the study is usually about maybe an hour to an hour and a half, which is good for them. Um, And then I leave it with them. There is no pressure. I do not pressure them. Uh, There is no emotion. I don't work on their emotions during this time period at all. I just present the Word of God to them. And then if they decide to move forward, we call the parents and we say, hey, we're ready to do this kind of thing. I just got back from summer camp. And when I go to summer camp, I am a teacher and they divide the girls and guys up and I usually have 24 girls and I teach for two sessions. So I have almost 50 kids for a week and they're ready to learn. They're sixth, seventh and eighth grade girls. They're ready to learn. And I have developed a a relationship with them. And now they come to me and ask me, can we sit down and study? I'm thinking about baptism. Can we sit down and study this? And I'm like, oh yeah, let's get. And so I just got back when you when you asked me to do this, and I thought I'm on fire right now about it. I'm like, oh yes, I'm on fire about this. And so um, I wish that I could keep that fire throughout the entire year. And I'll just be honest, I'm human, and I get let all these other things get in my way. And I have to kind of refocus and say, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, planting that seed, planting that seed, planting that seed. I just need to be reminded of it sometimes. So camp is one way. Teaching Bible classes at church is another way. And the third way that I have found recently that is most interesting is I go to the gym. I go to the gym probably uh, three to five days a week. And there is a group of people there. And I've gotten to know these people really well. They know that I'm a Christian. They know I attend church. They know I teach Bible class. And we frequently have conversations these days on religious subjects, which I love. Last year, I invited a couple to our church Christmas party. This year, we have plans to invite a a huge portion of them to our Christmas party. So all of a sudden, the gym has become a place to reach out to people. So that's That's something new for me. (laughs) When I was there in Australia, I uh, remember doing some things with the youth. I remember talking to Scott about, let's do something where we can invite our friends to come with us. And I don't know if you went to this one, but we went on a road trip on the Great Ocean Road. And James asked one of his best buddies that he went to school with. There were other kids that, were, that came along. But what, what that did is they got a piece of church, whether they knew it or not. They got a little piece of it. And those kinds of activities, people are not afraid of. 
And so other opportunities where you can introduce people, let's go to a footy game together and let's have a whole, invite all your friends and let's go play, go watch footy or whatever together. Those are awesome opportunities to introduce them to the kind of people you are. But really people should see what kind of people you are all the time because a Christian person walks different and talks different and works different and has is very purposeful about the way they live their life and people will notice that about you when you think of evangelism you think i'm going to go and knock on these people's door and i'm going to pound the word of god into no there's so many other ways to plant seeds you know debbie i i don't remember coming on that great ocean road trip i think i might have been too young i can't quite remember but what i do remember is coming to a youth event at your house where I think you had us over for dinner and fellowship. And I especially remember your potato rolls, which I can almost smell now, to be honest. But what I remember most clearly from that evening was just how warm and welcome I felt um, because of your hospitality. Looking back, I think that was one of my first real experiences of Christian love. So I was wondering, Debbie, if you could share any other stories from your own life of where you've sown seeds of faith by caring for people and showing God's love to them, and maybe even without seeing growth straight away. Scott and I are going on a trip to North Carolina, a different state, and we are seeing someone that was in Australia with us. They were expats in Australia with us. Um, She was probably my closest American friend when I was there and her name was Gigi. Today of all days I'm talking to her by text and she says would you like to see Karen O'Brien? Karen was another expat. She says you know you're coming to see me would you like to see Karen? And I said sure that would be awesome. She texts me back and she said Karen is super excited. She says, in her Bible, she's got a scripture that you shared with her. And it was in the book of Colossians. I'm going, what in the world did I share with her? She's got this in her Bible. And Gigi says, I have the same one in my Bible. Because she said, when you shared it with her, you shared it with me. And it made a huge impact on me. And I was like, huh? (laughs) I don't remember this. I don't remember doing this. I did have several conversations with Gigi um, about religion because it was such a huge part of my life. And so that's a big deal to me that possibly I'm making an impact on somebody. Will I ever see that seed come to fruition or come to, to baptism? Only God knows these things, you know. I do know that There's a scripture in Hebrews about the word of God being active, uh, sharper than a double-edged sword, penetrating to the bone and marrow. I think about that scripture a lot, and I think we have got to let the word of God speak for us. I'm just an instrument of his, but the word of God is powerful. Debbie, I might just switch gears in our conversation to ask you about how the early church did evangelism. So do you have any thoughts on the early church's approach to evangelism and also what we as Christians today can learn from their example? When I think about the early church, they looked like Jesus. 
Jesus cared about people. They cared about people. I know they spent a lot of time together. They ate together. They studied together. They worshiped together. They suffered together. They went to places where there were crowds of people. The day of Pentecost, people were in town worshiping. There were bunches of people there. That's where they went to teach. They went to the temple courts. They went those specific places looking for people that were searching, that were worshipers. They were intentional on going to where the people were, and they were intentional on teaching about Jesus, uh, that kind of thing. They said, we're not going to follow the Mosaic law anymore. What we've grown up and known our entire life and our ancestors have known, we're not going to, we're going to take a stand against that. And we're going to take a stand in the midst of persecution. Knowing what that means, we're going to do that. That's a force in my life. I think if they can do that, if they can stand up in their day in the face of persecution and do it, why can't I do it? It's so much easier to sit and be silent. But I think there's something to learn from that, that we need to be bold, you know, for a better word, bold. We need to be bold in the way that we do things because they, they were very purposeful in the way they did it, and, and they weren't afraid. They weren't afraid. Maybe a follow-up question to that, Debbie, is what do you think are some of the barriers that can stop us Christians from sharing the gospel with those around us? People will look at me and say, because I took a stand on a certain issue that I don't love people, when it's really the opposite. Because I love people, I will tell them the truth. There is no room for lies in Christianity. The world will say, well, you know, politically correct, you can't, that's not right. They have taken the word love and they have twisted it. And it is hard to evangelize if we don't know the needs of people. We observe that someone needs something. And it may be a ride. Their need may be a meal at this time. Their need may be a friend. You sit down and have a cuppa with me. Come on over. We're so good in the church about taking care of one another. And I know the Australians are good about taking care of one another. But how good are, as a Christian, am I at taking care of my neighbor? Am I observe, observable, if that's word, observable, enough to know what their needs are? Because if I'm taking care of their needs the way Jesus took care of needs, then I'm evangelizing. I think a lot of times people just don't care. They don't care about people. They're so maybe wrapped up in themselves or that kind of thing that they, they don't care. And a Christian is not like that. If we are like Jesus, we care about people. And so a lot of times that may keep us from being evangelistic, that we're scared, we're frightened, we... We don't see the needs in other people's lives. I used to think that I had to have every answer. You know what? I don't have to have every answer. <laughs> I can say, I don't know. <laughs> I'll get back to you on that. I'm going to go home tonight. I'm going to sit down with my Bible and my husband, and we're going to study this out, and I'll get back to you on that. You know, that's okay. That's an honest answer. I do not have to know everything. I've spent a lot of time praying about having the right answers all the time. And sometimes I just don't have it. I have to 
you know, I'll have to tell them. I'll get back to you on that. And that's okay, too. How do we know the seed's going to grow if we don't plant it? If we're so scared to even put it in the ground? And so I, I just think there has to be some boldness, some bravery, and just us being able to observe the needs of other people. One other question I wanted to ask you, Debbie, is how do you stay on fire for God, especially when it comes to evangelism? Because I'm sure it can be hard to persevere and keep going when, you know, you sow seeds, but then it doesn't lead to anything, at least anything that you can see, or, you know, it might be discouraging or just tiring. So could you speak a bit about what keeps you going in sowing those seeds and nudging others towards Jesus? I'm going to steal this from somebody else. She said one time to me, this is a really good friend of mine, she said that when she gets up in the morning, her prayer is that God sent her someone to talk to today. And I'm like, every day? (laughs) You know? So um, there is something to be said about prayer. Prayer is powerful. Powerful. Because you're praying to God for Him to send you somebody to talk to today. And there is some also something to be said about the word today. We may not have tomorrow. If something enters my mind, and I think, I honestly believe the Holy Spirit feeds these things to me. And He says, this is what you need to do today. I try really hard to do it. And do it immediately. And my mother's always saying, why are you doing that? You're going to wear yourself out. And I'm like, because it needs to be done. And it needs to be done as soon as possible. Or I may let it slide. And so I really try hard to act upon those those things that come to mind. And if I'm praying and believing that God's going to answer my prayer, that person comes around. That person comes around, whether it's at the gym or at the line in the grocery store or up at the church building. There's somebody, a teacher or somebody running around in there. It, it comes around. And so I, I am purposeful in prayer about that as well. As far as keeping the fire, there was recently there was a young girl at church and I just said, hey, we need to sit down and study the Bible. I, I went to her mother first and I said, is she a Christian? And she said, no. And I said, do you mind if I ask her for a Bible study? She said, no, do it, do it. I was like, okay. So I went to her and sure enough, two days later, we were sitting down and having a Bible study. Well, she brings a friend and they say, can we have this sheet of paper that you got? I said, yes. I said, you take it and you do it with somebody else. I said, that's the whole purpose here, you know. Did I have a baptism? Not yet. I'm still praying about that one. I will tell you that at camp, there were some people that I studied with, and they they came to me. We sat down, and we studied together, and they said, we're ready to be baptized. And when I called the parents, the parents said no. I'll be honest with you, I was crushed. I think now I'm a little bit more mature when it comes to that, because I think I did exactly what God intended for me to do. I planted that seed, and I'm at peace with that now. Someone else is going to have to come along and plant another seed. I do have one last question to ask you, and that's whether you'd have any advice, especially for younger Christians who are really wanting to evangelize more often or like you mentioned earlier, just with more 
boldness like the early church. Anybody that is, that is young, you have people that are admiring you. You have people that are watching you. And they are watching. And let me tell you, kids are very intelligent. They know whether you're living differently. They can see it. You are making a major impact on somebody's life by the way you are living yours. You think you aren't, but they, you are. And you have an unbelievable opportunity to make an impact on them more than I do. I'm just an old person. And they're like, I'm not listening to you, but they'll listen to faith. There is always somebody that is looking up to you. And what I say is, be very mindful of that, about being bold. You need to spend some time praying about being bold. If you can change one person's life, I mean, that's an incredible thing. Salvation is an incredible thing. And so I, I say be bold. Jesus said he was holy. Do we know what holy means? It means he was set apart. He's not like everybody else. The church today shouldn't be like every other church. It should be set apart. And then in the same sentence, he says, you are holy, be holy as I am holy. And then he has told us we are to be set apart. We're different. And it's okay. <laughs> it's okay to be different. Well, Debbie, those were all of the questions I had for you focusing on our theme of evangelism. But... I thought we could just round out our conversation with another five kind of rapid and much simpler questions. So the first rapid question, Debbie, is what is your favorite Bible verse and why? That would be Hebrews 12 verse 1. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us and let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Why I like it is because it reminds me where my focus is supposed to be. And it fits in beautifully with this. My focus is Jesus. Um, my life should be looking a lot like Jesus, um, because that way I can evangelize. If I, if I look like him, I'm evangelistic. So that's my favorite. The next question, Debbie, is who is your Bible hero and why? I would say Elijah. I love the fact that he challenged Ahab to the uh, contest and he told him, he says, get all the wicked guys to come over here and I'm going to have my God over here and we're going to build. And then he dumped water on his and dumped water on his. And, and then he just prayed to God and, you know, I love that. I also love the fact that Elijah is very human. Shortly after that, he went through sort of kind of a depression where he had to learn to listen to the whispers of God. I, love, I think he's a, a tremendous uh, study, <laughs> just a really, really great study. Um, right now I'm studying Daniel, and I'm kind of going, oh, man, Daniel's fantastic too. <laughs> Daniel's great, but yeah, Elijah's probably my favorite. Third rapid question is, when or where do you feel closest to God? I talk to God all times during the day. I'm probably more of a morning person. This morning, I went and prayed with two other women, and we prayed for an hour and a half this morning. And that's usually when I do my, my Bible study, too. And where? Anywhere. <laughs> I feel like 
in the morning that God is waiting wherever I am to come drink my coffee. He has his cuppa, and he's waiting for me, just waiting. And I go in, that's the very first thing I do, is get my cup of coffee and go find him. And it's almost like we visit like old friends. And I know the the hard thing is, is that he's waiting for me every single day. He waits for me. And sometimes I'm not the best about going to see him. Next rapid question is, what is an ordinary moment that fills you with gratitude? I try to visit with my mom um, about three times a week. I look forward to that, getting to call her up and talk to her. I can share anything with my mother. She will not take my side (laughs) of any situation. (laughs) She's very truthful. You know, if I if I want somebody to lie to me, I don't go to my mom, okay? Because she's going to be truthful with me. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for her, her sacrifice for us. I, yeah, I'm reminded of what a great mom she is. Yeah. And the fifth and final rapid question, Debbie, is what is one lesson you think God is still trying to teach you? Oh, my goodness. There's a whole bunch. <laughs> Lots of things. Um... I feel like I am very judgmental. I guess that means I'm just not as compassionate a person as I should be. And that's the sad thing is Jesus is compassionate. You know, I'm like, why are they not doing that? Chop, chop, get in there and do that. <laughs> you know, and I that's my personality. And that's the way I would approach something. So I just assume that's the way everybody should approach it. And when they don't, I'm like, And so I I need to learn to be a little more sympathetic to people and maybe give them the benefit of the doubt. I think that's a, a weakness and something that I have to work really hard at. So Debbie, that brings us to the end of our interview today. And I just wanted to say thank you so much. It's just been super encouraging to catch up with you again after so long, but especially to hear all of your thoughts and insights about evangelism. Well, thanks for having me. I loved it. We can just call me up anytime. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed listening to Debbie as much as I did. Her passion for Jesus and his church really does shine through. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of our evangelism series. Feel free to send any feedback about the podcast to saltyandbrightpod at gmail.com and keep an eye out for the next episode coming soon. But until then, stay salty and bright.